0: Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Overline Podcast. I'm joined today by Arjun Raj Jain. Hey, guys. And uh, none other than Mr. Patrick McConlog. Hello. Uh, We're thrilled. I think I speak for everyone. We're thrilled to be here today to discuss some hot topics from around the news and some updates on the Overline protocol. We'll also be taking some questions at the end. The community seemed to really love that part of the podcast, so we're gonna do it again uh, and see if if that has the same effect. Uh, What I'd like to do today is start off by talking about some news that's been in the headlines uh, concerning uh, some blockchain-related topics that maybe don't seem like blockchain-related topics. Um, Obviously, Afghanistan is in the news. Um, There's a lot of other podcasts that are handling Uh, what's happening, why it's happening, what to do. Um, But I think it's important to sort of take note of some of the things that were happening there that maybe don't get as much attention. Um, For example, on Sunday, while everything was relatively calm uh, in Afghanistan, banks began to limit cash withdrawals. Uh, And that continued and is continued up until today. Uh, ATMs beginning to run out of cash. This seems like a topic that we've heard before in places like Greece, Haiti, uh, Venezuela, uh, it, it becomes actually quite an issue when someone else is in control of how liquid and how mobile your funds are. Um, Argent, now, now, yeah.
1: Think about that for a second. Like truly think about that. You're listening to this live stream or podcast. Someone is preventing cash from actually going into your wallet. So movable money that isn't tracked by a bank account or isn't controlled by a federated authority is restricting your ability. So you, you can't just say, oh, it could happen like it did in Haiti or like it did in Greece. It will happen like it did, and it is happening right now like it did in those locations. We are looking at the future playing out exactly as it happened before. Cash is drying up, and so individual ownership on this stuff is is not just a huge issue. It is already an issue right now.
0: Right. Uh, I mean, think about um, when Texas was having those energy problems, they were having the exact same issue. Uh, Banks were limiting ATM problems. So this is something that's not just happening abroad. It's happening everywhere. Uh, And I think ultimately, if your money is any centralized institution, be that digitized or not, uh, you do not get to control how liquid that is. You do not get to control how mobile that is. And that is certainly, uh, it's, it seems in bad taste to say something like Bitcoin fixes this or blockchain is the answer, but it certainly is important to take note of these otherwise relegated to footnote. And,
1: and don't just take note. Yeah. If you had one good thing that you know, you're going to do today, take this link, pass it to somebody else and tell them to listen to the first 45 seconds. You know, give them a timestamp cash in the united states is changing that's a huge deal why is it not in every single publication out there why is it not in every single media source Mm -hmm. and that as many of you know is a big part of our upcoming strategy media is not sharing this and so your good news for the day your good action for the day is pass the link and give a timestamp. people need to know cash is going away
0: completely agree uh on that same note of of things that are going viral, uh, something else in the news today in today actually, uh, so I think something like eight hours ago, uh, was that Axie Infinity reached a million daily active users. That's just cool. That's extremely cool. Arjun, you want to tell us a little bit about Axie Infinity?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit absurd, um, <laughs> and the way and I think one of the things that really Shocked me was that how big it's become in the Philippines specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, web traffic indicates that it's now the eighteenth largest site in the Philippines.
0: That's huge.
2: Uh, it's it's massive. Uh, I think the simplest way to explain it is Wait, basically Why is that? Because the what it is is basically a Pokemon Go where you get paid to basically play it. And so the Filipino economy has been primarily remittance-based for years. This has re- resulted in a lot of people who are stuck in the Philippines not being able to do anything. And this is a game that's basically provided them a means to use their efforts, use their real world, like being able to walk around and train these axes. And then be able to sell them off into a global marketplace.
0: So, what that's been called, and they've been pioneering this name uh, Play to Earn. So, that, that's actually the name of a great documentary on YouTube about the small town in the Philippines that something like 90% of the population plays this blockchain related game. It's really fascinating. But what's interesting is uh, in this Play to Earn model, uh, there's to to capsulize what exactly is happening is it's taking blockchain related activity and translating it into real world income that got me thinking a lot about the things that we have coming down the pipeline things like wireless mining um, when it comes to incentivizing profitable positive activity on the blockchain there's been other play to earn uh, games that have come out recently, things like uh, Dogemon Go. I don't know if you downloaded that, Arjun. <laughs> I, I you have to. You have to. Yeah. You definitely have to. You, I think you earn something like Dogo coins or Dogo wow. coins, Amazing. and those Amazing. those translate to Doge. It's essentially a literal skin on Pokemon Go uh, that that just translate to cryptocurrency. But that that also is capitalizing on the play to earn model. Uh, I think the final sort of angle on this that gets us to the wireless incentivized model is it's not just it's not just providing incentive to earn money based off of activity that relates to the blockchain it's creating incentives for positive activity that creates a service for your community
1: nice now let's zoom all the way out to what actually is cash what actually is A dollar bill other than your participation in the united states community Mm -hmm. and that dollar bill is a productive representation of the value that you're providing so when we look at things like play or pay to play or play to pay or earn when you you're playing Mm -hmm. these things are micro ecosystems where in the ecosystem itself you're ending up with Rewards based on your participation. So it's not like this model hasn't been done before. Yep. It's that from this model will evolve new and better things, like the live props adding here, the public services like ambulances and other things.
0: <laughs> Great time. But we actually that, paid them to circle the we block. Yeah,
1: just for this, uh, we actually paid them in Axie Infinities, so <laughs> it's a full circle. The point is, cash is no longer king, and when that's happening, who is king? And what's What's being revealed to the United States is right now the printer is king. Mm -hmm. So the Fed is king of USD and the market is responding appropriately by buying everything that is not and cannot be denominated in money printer. (laughs) As long as things are that way, we end up with systems where things like Axie is a place where the Philippines would rather be. They, They want to store their value in terms of time and participation inside of a digital game. Yep. And that's a better use of time for them than earning their own national sovereign fiat, which is very interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Ab- absolutely interesting. I think that puts a nice cap on the, the blockchain aspect of the play-to-earn model. It's, it's, it definitely points towards away from fiat at the moment. Uh, the other angle that I was wanting to talk about was the, uh, so, something that was in the news uh, in 2016, has resurfaced again recently, uh, an app called Citizen. Uh, It used to be called Vigilante. Uh, It was uh, banned from the app store for obvious reasons being named Vigilante. But essentially what it did was it incentivized individuals to respond to potentially crises that are going around in your neighborhood. And it said basically what you have to go do is you have to then go film, bring your phone, bring the app, go to the area that the geolocation is coming from and film whatever is going on there. Uh, it, it, I understand where it's coming from. It, the idea is is good. Let's do good for the community. Uh, let's provide a service for our community. But the incentives there are obviously wrong. They create danger where there shouldn't be. It provides puts people who don't have any training into dangerous situations. Uh, but I think the the takeaway from from that app is that there is a desire, there is a drive to be part of a a digital community where your physical actions are actually important and they actually help the people around you. And I think if you sort of zoom out from all the topics we've just been discussing, that's where I think wireless mining uh, is so powerful. That's where wireless mining is so powerful is that it combines blockchain activity that translates to real income, gamifies the physical geolocation, and creates a community led service with the proper incentives lined up.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, we like things like Helium. We think it's cool, mm-hmm. but we've been working on a wireless protocol that has unspoofable distance calculations for four years. We've watched all this stuff happen and, mm-hmm. and pan out. And it's also why you always see the cool hand Luke perspective from the team. We know what we're building. And because we know that, there are things about the economies that play out in a way where the wireless world, the world that you will be participating in, no one has ever seen yet. Because without distance certification, all these mesh networks are in their infancy. Mm -hmm. Once distance validation is set up, Someone can properly earn the right rewards for running any kind of wireless service in their location, and you're not competing with China to get your share of the pie. You're going to see people whose entire revenue model is based on them running overline wireless services, 100% of it. And the interesting side to that is that it's better for the world from a value attribution perspective that you are providing wireless services than playing to add different hair colors to your axiom <laughs> like just as a service, you know, to right? public good. And what that actually means is more value to the ecosystem. So this is, this is real. Your ability to connect to people will, will be through Overline. Uh, with that, let me pivot over to the, the perspective of this podcast in terms of what we're announcing. We are simplifying the message for our approach to the market. And we've been working on test cases of this, doing small uh, press, little press venues, did a little piece on Bloomberg just to see what the reaction was to certain components of our upcoming narrative. But in the grand scale, we need to continue to make things even easier for people. So as of today, there is no more interchange. It's all just overline. It'll just depend on how and where you download it. So you'll download Overline to your desktop and get this incredible, truly incredible experience with professional trading components, charts, and everything uh, running right from your computer. And you'll be able to download it to iOS and you'll be able to download it to Android. But it's very simple when sharing this. All you need to do is download Overline. Mm-hmm. But underneath that, and what we'll start with here is there's an incredible piece of technology powering this, two unique elements. And what that means to you is we are different. We've we've always known we're different. We don't try to fight it. You, You won't see on our page this giant, you know, don't buy this, buy that. We know we're different. People just need to read, you know, a little bit and you'll see what we are. But as we make it more easy to see those differences, the easiest way is to simply come out with something that, that other things can't possibly do. Mm-hmm. So yesterday or a few days ago, we announced the upgrade to TimbleScript for messaging. So this blockchain has built in messaging uh, across all uh, chains. What that means to you is, is a big deal. but We'll get into that. The second big thing, and then Arjun, I'd love for you to cover this, because this is what I reference, is like, why do I, I say, and I say this with, with not only confidence, but like accuracy, I think we have the best smart contract developer in the world on this call right now.
2: <laughs> and he'll, he'll
1: back out of it, but, but the metric here is emblems themselves are the, the least expensive, least fee demanding ERC-20 token on earth and we don't broadcast this because it's a hard thing for the regular folks in the universe to get, but of all the tokens on the planet, you can't send one as cheaply as you can send an emblem. Arjun, do you want to tell us why?
2: Yeah, so one, I appreciate that, but uh, (laughs) uh, that may not be exactly true. So I'll give it, explain like M5 on this. So in the simplest manner, whenever you submit a transaction on ETH, there are function arguments on it. So for example, when you do a transfer, there's an address and there's an amount. Normal ERC-20 transfers uh, have it such that the address is uh, 160 bits and uh, the transfer amount is 256. The innovation here was basically that we realized that because there are 300 million emblems and they go down to 10 to the 8th, that you actually only need 56 bits to represent them. So what that basically allows us to do is save 200 bits per transfer. So as opposed to having to send 416 for every transfer out there, we're down to 216. And because memory and storage and uh, having to process things All costs in the EVM, by the nature of just being able to pass in less information to achieve the same thing, uh, we were just able to reduce the cost of each emblem transfer out there.
1: Now, think about that for a second. He literally just said every emblem transfer out there is cheaper. And that's something that we can we can show demonstratively in the code, but you can also just test it yourself, and you'll be shocked when you watch transfer any other token, then transfer an emblem, watch what happens. But more importantly, why does that situation occur? Because we built this entire platform to be optimized to the extreme for bytes and the transfer of bits of the air. Mm. That is because when you reach for something big the consequences impact every part of the business. You reach big and everything changes because of it. So it's not like things will start to slowly go well for Overline. They will exponentially go well for Overline because we've been preparing for this stuff for years. Things like smaller transaction sizes, yes, there's a small benefit and then, yep, every transfer is cheaper. But that's because long-term, we need these things to be as small as possible so they can fly over the air. And that, when we look at it from a technology standpoint, is where Overline is coming at this whole space from the wireless perspective. Uh, the the next component of wireless is, of course, messaging. Mm-hmm. And we won't get into that in detail, but what you need to know about what's changed is that Temple Script now allows you to write messages and follow addresses programmatically just as if they were transactions. Now, that sounds a little confusing, but if you think about it in terms of Ethereum, imagine being able to subscribe to an Ethereum address and send messages to it as something like a follower. Mm -hmm. So if one were building a social network that could not be turned off, that had to shoulder hundreds of millions of messages, and 45 to 135 million accounts sending messages, then building out the messaging protocol is actually a really, really big deal. And it will fade into history as these last couple of days, because people need an app, they need to see all the GUI to it. But for for the OGs here on this call, they... Uh, you're you're part of a time in the protocol when messaging launched, so it's there in the code. It's just not going to be part of the GUI until we finish adding it to the app ecosystem.
0: The obvious implication there too, which is fascinating, is the concept of you were saying hundreds of millions of messages, uh, or, or even just creating uh, something that would be similar to the exact same size as transactions on the network. Right now, all transactions on Overline are either transfer or purchase-based, right? Trading, swapping. That's in and of itself interesting. And there's plenty of miners already that understand the value of mining and receiving those transactions into their blocks. But imagine then scaling that to hundreds of millions of transactions that are message-based, an entirely new subset of transactions to be mining. That expands greatly what a miner can do on the network. And obviously is part of the grander vision we have for overline.
1: And and with that big vision, it's not the same as just writing text into an Ethereum transaction. Right. This stuff has been optimized mm-hmm. as far as it possibly can to play well with long distance wireless communications. So we're we know what we're building and we're working on making that knowledge more clear to more developers in the future. The uh the clarity of all this starts also with the upgrade in the interface and the last thing we'll talk about today, which is the new Overline, the Overline Desktop application. So previously interchange. Arjun, you wanna kinda walk us through a little bit about some of the changes made in there and how it how it looks now?
2: Yeah, so I mean it is a massive upgrade through and through. I mean just the ease of use. We just been have been receiving feedback for months and months. And um, yeah, we just wanted to create the easiest place to be able to store your assets, be able to trade, and then soon also start to be able to communicate with others around you. And so as of now, uh, for everyone that has the interchange already, you should see a upgrade link. And uh, for everyone else, uh, they can head to overline.com network and download that from, from
0: wait there. wait a minute did you just drop the new overline desktop app live on the pod i did i did i, <laughs> I did indeed i love it
1: <laughs> all right so let's do some questions
0: yeah uh i'll go ahead and take a look at the discord see if there's anything that might be interesting
1: you're all interesting and all loved <laughs>
0: Great. We do, we do have a question here. Uh, so is overline receptive to the concept of an OIP an overline improvement proposal? So essentially is there, is there any room for public contributions to the overline protocol? I
1: mean, yes, <laughs> I, don't know I would say can. that in and of itself is an OIP. Yeah. <laughs> but the structure to doing OIPs is absolutely something we want. I think we're at that. If you read the Instagram story, I, I gathered peace about what it's like to work at Overline when I read that story, the early days of Instagram, because we, we are innovating at such a fast pace. Engineers coming in here, hires, we've doubled the size of the team in the last, I don't know, three months like things are moving very, 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 very fast. And the code base, people hit the ground running, here's your computer, here's your keyboard, and they are burning out uh, software to build this vision as fast as they can. So things like OIPs are, as the ecosystem matures, far more relevant because there's a strict development cycle. Right now, there's so many changes happening that it's, just more efficient for core team members to be the ones who are writing most of the feature sets. That being said, there are very, uh, I would say enterprising, but also truly brilliant early individuals who have built open source versions of this based on how they want things to work and, and what they want things to do in this software stack. So I'd say OIPs are great but the first thing to do is is mess around with the actual software as it is. Pull the Docker image; all the code is there. Uh, and we are working now to clean that that code base up to make it more logical. But that in and of itself, you know, with rapid innovation, it's all kind of a give and take. And we're focused on delivering new features fast, uh, not necessarily ironing out you know the policy of code writing. But that is definitely something in the next six months that I would expect to see is our OIP process coming in, as well as a voting process in general, because messaging itself is, is just like trading. It's a way of expressing your preferences. So trades, votes, texts, it's all the
0: same thing. Awesome. There were a couple of questions around uh, business development acquisitions. Uh, you guys already know the answer to those questions are no comment.
1: I think it's pretty clear what we're doing. <laughs>
0: uh, another question from Scarlath Lath Mikhail uh, is when browser version, I think we we hinted at a lot of features that are coming out, uh, not only in the desktop application themselves, but things like browser version as well. Uh, JMB, Notorious JMB mentioned before that these updates are going to be coming out in a rolling basis. So you'll get a more clear timeline in terms of when things like these will be available, but very soon, uh, that's definitely on the roadmap.
2: Yeah, and especially for the for the web one, one of the first things that we're going to have in it, which we're just ironing out now, is just an easy swap interface. Mm-hmm. So the abstraction of the order book and everything uh, won't be required for that. Um now, so, that, yeah.
1: that being said, we we I believe continue to succeed or at least continue to work as hard as we do because we don't break our fundamental principles, which is to maintain decentralization. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So in this upcoming, you know, web interface, expect as open source and as decentralized as things are. Yes, when you centralize things, it's gonna have an easier interface, but the consequences of that are uniswap blocks assets it's not a real decentralized exchange it's not actually in control of everyone it's in control of one our technology overline should be as available as the air you breathe it is a right to have trade between people it is a right to be able to connect with anyone that you want to irregardless of where you were born or what citizenship allows you to send money or allows you to send text or allows you to read information or even allows you to have a voice, if you've been censored, that in and of itself is a violation of the right of the individual. Mm
0: -hmm. It's going to be fascinating to see all of these technologies baked into an already robust feature set that's in the Overline app. It's it's truly amazing. Let's see if we have any more questions. Timing on leasing, Uh, that's definitely something that's coming down the pipeline as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, we'll give more. uh, I think let's wrap it up.
0: Yeah, I Yeah. uh, I think that's it for the questions from this week. Thanks so much again for tuning in. Thank you, Arjun and Patrick. Thank you. All right, we'll see you guys next time.
1: That was the Overline podcast. Tune in to listen to us weekly or follow us on Twitter at Overline Network.